1: This is a podcast from Minute Media. I'm sorry, the Craig
2: never changed me and my son of rain. It gets wet when we hang. I'm sorry, could
1: touch the blue part of the flame, the blue part of the flame. And I just want to roll with
2: those in the back. Welcome. Sportfire. The sports comedy podcast that's going Rodman mode for NBA 75.
0: I'm your host, Adam Weinerb, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Rob Manfred's Truth Social, and Breaking Isaiah Thomas's little television at the dunk contest. Remember that little bald man hurriedly crawled out of there? That was Dynamite Television. Big show today. Rockies pitching prospect Brandon Gold is here to talk us through what minor league baseball players are dealing with right now, and also always, but first, let's take a quick trip through the headlines. NBA All-Star Weekend in Cleveland was a huge success. They replaced the dunk contest with the first annual fail competition, with a 10-point bonus if you failed in Tim's or failed after dancing alone. So congratulations to the runaway winner, Cole Anthony. Sorry, but next year, either LeBron or Zach Levine has to do it. And by do it, we mean lock Jalen Green in his car before the contest starts. Michael Jordan and Larry Bird skipped the NBA 75 pre-All-Star Game photo shoot, but to be fair, both had excuses. Jordan owned cars running the Daytona 500 and Bird was driving one. Of course, that didn't stop 80,000 tweens from tweeting that LeBron James is undefeated in showing up to NBA 75 ceremonies, unlike Mickey Jordan and Larry Burr Fraud, which is good. That's good discourse. As for the game, the final score was an extremely tight 1,432 to DNP, spent the entire game filming branded TikToks for crest white strips so Jalen Green could sell them as NFTs. Next year's game will be taking place in sunny the metaverse. And a special shout out to Mr. Drummond's fourth grade gym class for donating their pennies as the all-star uniforms. Michigan head coach Jawan Howard struck a Wisconsin assistant coach after the final whistle. This marks the second time Howard will be erased from the university's history. Howard will face repercussions though. The program shouldn't be disciplined. So just to be safe, Jim Harbaugh's gonna take that Vikings job. Just before the Suns playoff run, Chris Paul will miss six to eight weeks with Injury TBD. We wrote this joke in October and pre-scheduled it. Paul hopes to be ready for round one, but you and I both know he won't look the same. Meanwhile, point guard Goran Dragic has chosen to sign with the Nets through the end of the season. Dragic will join Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge as the latest Nets addition who both makes the team unfair and will not be enough help for Kevin Durant. Golfer Phil Mickelson apologized this week for his comments on the Saudis, which is something you really never wanna have to apologize for, especially in the world of golf. Hey, listeners, hold my feet to the fire. If you ever hear me start to make comments on the Saudis, please force me to stop. That is your promise to me. So, Y'all hear about the Saudis? Turns out this slogan has been removed thanks to audience intervention. Horse Medina Spirit was stripped of the Kentucky Derby victory, but since the horse cannot conceive of what that means at all, they just took the award away from Reggie Bush yet again. Unfortunately, Medina Spirit will now be speaking at CPAC alongside Inez Freedom, another canceled horse pretending it's been silenced from neighing. We hear you neighing. Got the DVR set for Medina Spirit on Bill Maher, saying no offense to any jockeys out there, but it's time for him to take the reins on the vaccine mandate. Yeah, pass. Medina Spirit's trainer, Bob Baffert, was suspended for 90 days, but once that time is up, he can resume racing all the other horses on all fours. And Rams wideout Van Jefferson named his baby Champ after it was born midway through Super Bowl 56. Joe Burrow has agreed to name his baby Offensive Line as soon as it poops the bed. Coming up in a bit, Colorado Rockies minor league pitcher Brandon Gold gives us an inside look at how the league's prospects are handling current labor issues, on-field issues, clubhouse issues, etc. We also do have fun though. But first, a brief word from the most important photographer in baseball.
2: Click. Clack. My shutter makes the sound of thousands of eyes closing to the beautiful game they love forever and ever, amen. I make art, no, art makes me. I am the man who photographs baseballs covered in chains and locks, as well as bases covered in chains and locks. And over the past few months, I have deservedly become a millionaire. How did I come up with the idea for this project? Simple. I heard the words MLB lockout and thought exactly one thought. You may have seen my work on the front pages of ESPN, CBS, Yahoo, and in the bondage section of Pornhub. That last one was not intentional, and I demand royalties. Who are my idols? Well, I found inspiration among many generations, projects, and genres. For instance, there's the guy who photographed locked-up basketballs back in 2011. And the man who photographed locked-up footballs the same year. Plus the innovators who took pictures of locked-up ice during the NHL lockout. How do you even lock ice up? Won't it eventually become free water? Therein lies the genius. You must capture a specific moment. That's how I like to frame my baseball as prisoner Ooh! You may ask, Aren't fans and players the real prisoners? Aren't baseballs, bases, and other equipment free to go and participate in other activities? And to that I say, I never thought about it that way. Huh? It feels like some of you are taking my work for granted, disregarding all that goes into the process of capturing these chilling stills. It's like I told my cousin, Anna V, the important part is finding the baseball's light while still shrouding it in darkness. The other important part is buying a big lock. Over the past month, I have bought over 100 locks and chains from my local Lowe's Hardware Emporium. The last time I visited, I was informed I was being placed on a watch list. Turns out most of the uses of locks and heavy chains are unsavory, and now I know this. Why buy a new lock and chain every time I have a new photo session? And Why throw your milk away when it expires? every photograph captures a moment in a day in a year in a lifetime when the moment has passed the remains go in the dumpster and after all what is a chain if not a piece of metal that's what rob manfred taught me (laughs) we have fun when will baseball be back hopefully not for quite a while i still have a lot of growing to do more experiments to explore i've almost cracked the science of how to lock up a bat and until that day I will be working hard, and I just want to remind you again, absolutely raking in cash. I bought a Chevy Volt. I can't stress this enough. I am the one man doing well right now. Thanks, baseball. Now, if you'll excuse me, I am about to embark on my most daring project yet. Putting a helmet in solitary confinement. That's all!
0: Ugh, that guy was so cool. And now my interview with Rockies pitcher Brandon Gold. I wanted to sit down with an active minor leaguer to give listeners a bit more insight into what that life is like and what so many prospects are fighting for every day. Also, I just love minor league baseball, and we had a lot of fun at the end going through the best parts of the beautiful game. I hope this opens your eyes a little bit and you get to realize exactly what these dudes are battling it out for. Here's Brandon. Brandon Gold, thank you so much for joining me today. I really wanted to get an active minor leaguer on the podcast. I love minor league baseball. Um, I hope the listeners do too. And if they don't, they're going to let me know really quick. But I care about minor league baseball. And so any chance I get to talk to somebody in the game, I, I love to do
1: that. And now seems like a particularly good time.
0: Uh, so thank you so much for joining me, man.
1: Absolutely. I'm I'm interested to know why you're so intrigued with minor league baseball. I mean, I I don't really know too many people that say that but it's very interesting.
0: I'm I'm a diehard. Uh, I hope that uh I hope that shines through and you you get some idea of where I'm coming from but that's sort of Perfect. Um, you know, it's it's like the first exposure I had to getting close to players, I would say. And I think some of that is from being a Yankee fan, right? You go to Yankee Stadium. I grew up in New York they don't let you down there like there's a moat where they just don't let you go so if mm-hmm. you want to get autographs you better go somewhere else um, <laughs> and i met i met a lot of dudes when i was 9 10 and i was like i didn't know you could get this close to athletes and so that's sort of you know i'm a big uh, advocate for the system in general um at least in terms of the way it brings fans closer to the game but of course we're going to talk about some things that maybe are not so shiny about the yeah
1: current yeah no that actually makes a ton of sense i i totally get where you're coming from with being around parks Big League Parks. Uh, I was a, I'm from Atlanta, so a Braves fan mm. going there. And then the Braves A teams in Gwinnett. So I did go to a couple of games and I totally get where you're coming from with being able to like literally stand wherever you want for the most part. And you talk to a player during the middle of the game, like, so be it. That happens sometimes. I totally get where yeah. you're coming from.
0: Yeah. They, they dragged me out of the stands once. I don't know why this is now like a personal story telling podcast (laughs) about me, (laughs) my bad. Um, But yeah, at like a game and a double a game for the Giants in Norwich, Connecticut 2003, they dragged me out of the stands to go line up with the players in the outfield. So I lined up with uh, Dan Fortmeyer as a right fielder. He He ended up, you know, he was in the Giants top 30 prospects, cracked the roster in like 2004 and then that just like gave me a new guy. I was like, oh, now I have a favorite like San Francisco Giants rookie. That's, yeah. that's the
1: kind of thing I feel like it does. For totally. Me. Totally.
0: So 2020, a tough time for me, obviously, a, a diehard fan yeah. of the game of baseball. I'm sitting here. I got nothing. Um, it's it's hot. I'm locked inside and, and major and minor league baseball, you know, major league baseball is at least trying some semblance of getting itself back up and running. But there's no minor league baseball to speak of. They're just not going to operate without fans. Um, But obviously that affected you much more. You're in the Rocky system. You're trying to grind to get to the upper levels. And 2020 is a a pivotal year for you. And you don't have any organized baseball to, to really lean on. What did your summer of 2020 look like without the game of baseball? And how did that change your perspective on the game when you finally got back into the doors in 2021?
1: Yeah. I mean, wow. 2020 was for so many reasons, such a tough year. I mean, baseball aside, but for me personally, I was, I was pretty blessed with the situation I had here. So here, as in, I'm in, I'm in LA, I'm in the LA area. And I was, I'm sure a lot of people know there's a decent amount of athletes that find like LA to work out in the off season, um, just warmer Arizona, like those kind of places. So there's a bunch of guys around here in the minor leagues. And I was thankful enough to have a high school field that like, we were going out there twice a week for six weeks or something. Um, and we were doing like almost games, like live batting practices. Um, I, I kept track of my innings and I was, you know, reporting to it because, going back to what you were saying about like, how did this affect me? Like I essentially lost a year of quote unquote eligibility or my, Mm -hmm. my, my lifespan as an athlete, um, 2019 was probably my best year. So I was really looking forward to what 2020 had to go. Um, I was healthy. I was, I was ready to go. And I was in, I was literally at spring training, I think for three days. Um, it started pouring rain, huge rainstorm in Arizona. We didn't have camp for two days, and then everything shut down. I was there for three days. Um, it was a real big letdown. But yeah, I mean, going back to like what it meant for me, I I lost out on a year. I mean, it's crazy. So many guys. Um, you know, I'm I'm talking to one of my buddies in, who is already at spring training right now, and he missed 2020. And he got hurt last year during spring training and missed all of 2021. I mean, if you think about it, injuries happen. So maybe not so uncommon that he missed the whole of 2021, but he's missed two straight seasons. And it's it's crazy. And I don't remember the exact timeline of how it happened, but with everything that was happening with the negotiations with the big leagues, all the minor leagues was kind of up in the air as well. And it's like, hey, like it may happen still like you got to be ready. Like, so I was, I was fully under the impression that we were going to get a 60 game season in as well. And then they completely canned it. And it, it was, it was tough, man, but I was really blessed with the surrounding that I have.
0: Good. And then that's at least something. And, and I'm very glad that you were able to, to take that away and what could have been, you know, such a completely lost year. Yeah. Um, that that's crazy. that I didn't know that the negotiations were sort of, left up for grabs like that i didn't know that the, you guys were i mean i know obviously a lot of things uh that maybe aren't quite up to code are, are happening with you guys but I, I had no idea that you were sort of floating and you thought there might be a shortened minor league season after all
1: i think that a lot was up in the air i heard everything that you could imagine to be ready for they had like their alternate camp sites mm-hmm. um which for anyone that doesn't know like they had the minor leagues set up essentially for like you know, big leaders, like if they get hurt, if this and that, they have guys that they can call up, be ready. Well, if there's no minor leagues, people get hurt. Who are they going to call up? So they had alternate sites. Uh, Most of them were at like their home fields, just like, you know, the workouts were in the morning. So there was a lot of time where I was asked to be ready for that whenever that happened. And then that just got prolonged too. I never got invited, but that along with the potential of a minor league season restarting spring training—I mean, I don't remember the exact timeline—but I don't think that the big league started until July. So, you know, from March to July, it was all up in the air.
0: Yikes! Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was—I believe it was like, gosh, I think it was July 24th or something for MLB and super late.
1: And- yeah, crazy.
0: super late, uh, even later than it had to be due to all of the, you know, obviously we, we all accept the delay, but then still there's an additional delay. Yeah. Um, and that sort of leads me into, uh, yeah. of course, um, you know, I mean, talk about where we are now, where, you know, back then there was like a mini lockout. We all watched, you know, a partial unnecessary butting of heads. And now we've got a full blown lockout. Uh, you know, the, the players have been locked out by ownership. Um, it sounds reductive to say, you know, how has this affected you and your teammates? Because of course, you know, we think about what major leaguers are going through. We think about people, the upper levels of the minors are going through, uh, like you and your teammates, that sort of gets lost a little bit because you are, you know, so close. Um, yeah. how have you, how have you been able to handle this additional impediment and, and have you and your teammates been able to keep in touch and sort of stay focused on the ultimate goal here?
1: Yeah. So I'll talk about, I'll answer the, the second part about staying in touch with teammates. So as I'm sure that you're aware of with Mm -hmm. major league free agents, there's also minor league free agents. And a lot Mm -hmm. of my teammates uh, from last season, I would say more than half of them are minor league free agents. Um, I was talking to one the other day and he's like, you know what? Like there's literally nothing. He doesn't have a job right now because the big league teams still have to do their free agencies. And then like dependent upon who they sign will then lead to if they have room for minor league free agents to sign with them. So as bad as it may seem for, you know, I'm just starting out Freddie Freeman. I'm, I'm been a Braves fan. Like as bad as it may seem that nobody knows where Freddie Freeman's going to go, he's going to have a job. He's going to get millions and millions of dollars. Like this lockout could, you know, lead to careers ending in the minor leagues, just because if this lockout continues till, you know, June, knock on wood, then like these guys, these guys are going to be out of jobs. Like they're not going to be able to do anything if they're going to go overseas. Um, So that's really tough. Um, Thankfully, I am not a free agent. So I do currently still have a job. Um, But yeah, then the first part of your question was like, how has this affected me personally? Um, I really haven't paid attention, to be honest with you. Um, I, for the most part, had heard from friends, from my agent, from this and that, that everything's going to be resolved. It's all going to be good. They're going to go back and forth. They're going to make an agreement when money actually starts being lost. Um, we're pretty close to that right now. So mm-hmm. um, this week seems like from what I've heard is going to be the make it or break. Um, I don't really pay attention to it. I've known this whole time that my camp is going to start on time. Um, I'm, I'm leaving this upcoming Monday uh, to get there a couple of days early just to get acclimated and stuff. Um, but the, the one thing that it does affect me is I was I'm hoping to be a non-roster invite to major league spring training. Well, there is no major league spring training. Um, so, you know, I've asked, um, minor leaguers are allowed to talk to coaches and stuff in the organization as big leaguers or not. And, you know, I'm asking like, Hey, like, you know, this and that, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, we don't know. It's all up in the air. So that, that is the one thing that is affecting me is when I get there, am I going to be invited once major league, Spring training starts. Am I going to just be in the minor league side? Um, so yeah, it's it's just. I think the the end all be all is so much is up in the air.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important to note. I mean, that you're you're doing a great job of pointing out the number of people that are floating right below the surface that that so many people maybe don't think about it, and maybe you know you check your timeline. And you see every four or five days during this lockout, like, oh, uh, you know, someone I've heard of from the major league level just signed a minor league deal. Right. Like, is, isn't that not allowed? Uh, you know, I guess, yeah, minor league transactions are allowed. And so then you sort of just get in this zone of, of being reminded there is, there is so much more to this than just the upper echelon guys like Freddie Freeman being worried about their next destination. And in so many of these proposals and the back and forth, Um, In an effort to sort of drum up enthusiasm for the player side of things, you do start to hear a lot about the troubles of minor league life the Mm -hmm. things that are going on below the surface that maybe, you know, if you think it's bad for the major leaguers, etc, think about how rough it's been for, for those who are stuck in minor league clubhouses. So I would love to give you a chance to just let the average fan know Um, A few things that maybe we wouldn't understand about how difficult day-to-day minor league life can be, even not during a lockout and not during a pandemic.
1: No doubt. I mean, this can go on for um, much longer than this podcast is. I I have no (laughs) doubt. Um, I think the easiest way for me to explain it is in college, I was fortunate enough to go to a division one college. Um, All the perks and, and highs that came with that, uh, and it's crazy when you get drafted, you go from college to professional baseball. Shouldn't that like be better? Like, shouldn't you get a quote unquote promotion? Like, you know, it's, it's not, uh, <laughs> not that I got paid in college, uh, cause we didn't, but <laughs> the pay is the easiest thing to talk about. Um, you know, if you're not a high sign guy, bonus guy from the draft, um, you got to have jobs in the off season. You have, you literally have to make a living in your off season, but your off season is supposed to be getting ready for the next season. So if you have to work, you know, an eight to five, how do you have time to like get better at your actual profession? You can't, you know? And so that's, that's the one thing that's really, that's really difficult and is really hard for me. Um, you know, I see a ton of teammates that are lower draft guys, just as talented as the higher draft guys, but they just don't have, they don't have the money to pay for high level training. And they then have to, you know, have a job. Um, So that's one thing. The second thing is, you know, the housing and living accommodations. I mean, we're gone in season for six months of a year, try finding a six month lease, like, (laughs) It ain't really a thing. Um, It's tough to find, especially in the minor league cities where they have minor leagues teams in smaller cities. Um, You know, there's no Los Angeles minor league team. There's no Atlanta. Like, you know, they're a little bit on the outskirts of those main cities. Um, So it's really hard to find living. And when you do find living, it's either in a hotel where you're living in and out and moving in and out with every road trip. It's, um, an Airbnb, it's an apartment where you have four guys living in a one bedroom apartment. I mean, so those are two main things, um, that from the college level to the professional level, you know, you would think that it would get better. I mean, if you think about it, I get to the field for a seven o'clock, six 30, seven o'clock game. I get to the field around noon, one o'clock. I like getting there early. I'm not leaving until 1130. 30. Now, granted, I'm a pitcher, so I'm not necessarily working that entire time. But, like, I'm there, and it's six days a week. It's not five days a week, sometimes seven days a week. The same every single day. And, I mean, how much How much are we making as minor leaguers? Like, it's crazy. So, there's a ton of challenges. And, you know, one of the things that I've always said, maybe I heard this, like, the minor leagues is not made for you to get to the major leagues. It's made to, like, weed out guys. Mm-hmm. So then like the, the, it's the survival of the fittest. I mean, there's a, so many things that have to happen for uh, a player to make it to the big leagues. It's crazy.
0: And I know you jumped to AAA last year. You were in uh, you were in Albuquerque, which is one of those, as you described, you know, smallish cities. Yeah. It's almost a city. It's, you know, it's not Los Angeles, but it's definitely on the map. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's sort of how the AAA franchises are. You're always like, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, that you know that makes sense as soon as you realize they have a team. But, you know, you've, you've gone through, you know, D1 school. Again, you're fighting your way up the different levels. And you finally jump to AAA. Mm-hmm. Do you notice any changes in the day-to-day experience there that make you think, okay, closer to the majors, or is it still just as difficult?
1: Um, there's definitely a difference. Uh, the difference that I had were, as we talked about with minor league free agents, a lot of those signed free agents are past big leaguers that are looking for jobs that got DFA'd or something like that, not on the not on the big league roster anymore. So most, you know, majority of my teammates had big league time last year. Um, majority of my teammates that were on the current forty man were getting sent up and down every single day. So, you know, it's after a game, oh, this guy's getting called back up, or during the middle of the game, hey, this guy's got to come out x got injured during the game he might need to get called up so that made you definitely more aware of where you were um and then also with me talking about big leaguers on my team you're playing against them every single night as well um so as as you get more and more up as in higher level um the competition obviously gets better Um, everybody's a little bit better at what they do. It's, it's less mistakes. I think is the easiest way to say it from a pitching perspective. There's less mistakes being made. And from a hitter's perspective, when the pitchers make those mistakes, they miss them a little bit less than a guy in, in single eye or something like that. It's just consistency.
0: Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, I promise you this is about to get a little bit more fun. We will, <laughs> we will wrap up the difficult part, but let's say, let's say hypothetically you get in a room with Rob Manfred, everybody's okay. uh, everybody's favorite commissioner, and you get a chance to explain your teammates' situation, what you're going through on a on a daily basis on a macro level. What do you say in that face-to-face meeting? Just that you want to make sure he understands.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really know his background of like if he played you know when he played all this and that's not really relevant but for me 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 saying that is like i think he needs to understand kind of what my answers were to the previous or two questions ago about like Mm -hmm. the grind of the minor leagues i mean you know we're working 12 to 12 sometimes we're flying at 5 a.m and got to play that day at at 6 p.m um and I think that it's, I think that to a degree, some of it, as I said, it's not made to get to the big leagues. It's, it's made to weed you out. I would just tell him and explain to him like what my daily life actually looks like. I, you know, I'm curious if he actually knows how poorly treated that the next guys are, so to speak. I mean, every single person except, you know, two people I think in the last 20 or 30 years have played in the minor leagues before going to the big leagues. Like nobody goes straight, the big leagues, like they do in the NFL or something like that. So all of those guys have to experience it. And I think it would just, I'm not a huge advocate of like quote unquote, babying minor leaguers that we get treated terribly. Um, I look at it more of like, if you, if you want something better, play better, do something about it. Like if you want something, do something about it. But there also is a fine line with like somewhat of the treatments that we get. I mean, not being able to make a, a living off of your profession when the guys above you are making the top 0.1% in all of the world and income, you know, there, there might be a little bit more to, to disperse. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a long answer, but I feel like I would just want him to know, make sure he knows what the experience is like and what the grind of a daily life is as a minor leaguer. That was great. And, and
0: also definitely got to the heart of, of the whole thing, right? I right. Mean, and what I'm trying to do with this podcast too. And from you know any little corner of the internet, I'm just trying to make sure people know exactly what we're dealing with here. And right before we get to the fun stuff, what can somebody like me or a fan or just somebody who's around the game and, and wants to see you guys succeed, what can we do to help out our team's minor leaguers, you know, how can we possibly advocate for you guys?
1: Yeah. I want to reiterate something. Like I don't want people listening to feel sorry for minor leaguers. Like that's not Mm -hmm. the goal of this. And at least in my perspective, like I feel like there's a lot that's not known, especially that I didn't know, like in college of like, what the minor leagues is about. Um, So I just, I just wanted to say that really quickly as far as like what an average fan can do. I mean, from my experience, like minor league baseball games are like fun to attend. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm a starting pitcher, so I get to chill five, four out of five days and like look around at what's going on. I mean, our bullpen talks to people the entire game. Other teams' bullpens talk to kids the entire day. Um, it's a lot more personal experience. Um, I wish that, you know, ticket sales and stuff would maybe – go to some of the players that would be a way that you guys could help, but also just like coming out and supporting your home team. Like it's so much fun for the players. It it brings us so much fun um, and excitement to get to the game. I mean, there's nothing worse than playing a back-to-back on a travel day and there's 300 people in the stands. Like there's no energy, but like last year in Albuquerque, which they have an incredible fan base. It's so much fun to play there. One of my best experiences, you know, our July 4th game, I think had 17,000 people or something like that. It was awesome. Like the, it was higher attended than some big league games on that day. Um, And it just is, it's so much fun when there's support.
0: Great. Uh, That's, that's perfect. Um, And you know, if, yeah, if I could get one thing across, it would be everybody go to go to your local minor league stadiums. Um, I hope I made that clear at the top of yeah. my, um, you know, nonsensical personal story from my childhood. Too. That's but exactly if have, right. Yeah. If you have children who are interested in baseball, you should definitely map out the road trips you can do to minor league baseball instead of just worrying about, you know, paying major league parking prices. Um, and with, with all that in mind, um, let's do the fun stuff. Well, let's just do, let's do a quick lightning round. Let's do a little advocacy for going to the minor league games. I want your best stories. Uh, first thing that comes to mind when you hear these questions, just shoot. Uh, are you ready to go?
1: Let's see what I got.
0: Okay, perfect. Uh, you mentioned living situations in the minor leagues. What is the weirdest living situation you've ever had at any
1: level of the minors? Okay, without a doubt, in A in Hartford, Connecticut, <laughs> as I mentioned, um, we got an Airbnb, and it was, as we come to learn, not in a good neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And we got there and started looking around and this and that, and I noticed some dark stains on the hardwood. And I did some Googling and like we're pretty convinced that somebody was killed in our Airbnb, you know, 10, 20 years ago. I mean, if that isn't the epitome of it, then I don't know what is.
0: No, it's just it's so funny that it's like, what's your wackiest living situation? And that's like what guy the guy died. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a guy died in my, oh apartment. my gosh. It's not great, folks. Um, yeah, the road trips at the minor league level are legendary. What is the worst road trip you've ever had between two minor league cities?
1: <laughs> um, so I think I have two answers. One, one answer is they're all terrible. Every bus ride is terrible. There's no <laughs> good bus ride. Um, the first one in my first season, I was in Boise. And one of the teams in that league was in Vancouver. And to drive into Vancouver, it's over the border. And you have to cross the border. And it is literally 2.30 in the morning. And Canadian border patrol is very strict. We all had to wake up, get out of the bus, go give them our passports. And it was like an hour experience. And then I I remember we literally got to our hotel and it was daylight. And then we had to play at six (laughs) o'clock that night. And the second one is my first professional season. I think this was the first bus ride of the season. And our bus just broke down in the middle of the mountains and somewhere on the East coast, somewhere in West Virginia, something like that. I mean, three o'clock in the morning in mountains, no cell service. <laughs> I mean, it happens. It, it, this isn't just something that happens to me. It happens.
0: That is a huge home field advantage for Vancouver though. They, they know what they're Oh yeah. Doing, maybe. Oh, yeah. You know, other team, no sleep. They don't, they don't let you take <laughs> peaches and peppers past the border. They don't want no Nothing. American fruits. Yeah. Absolutely. zero. Nothing. It's crazy. It's <laughs> awful. Okay. Who's the funniest teammate that you've ever
1: spent time with? Um, okay. Ironically, Um, I was talking to him this morning. Um, There's two people that come to mind. One is an American. One is a Latin. Uh, The American, the reason his name is Logan Cozart, the reason that he is one of the funniest is he is literally himself every single day, true to himself, doesn't care what anyone else thinks, will say whatever he wants in any situation to whoever. And the no filter that he brings to the table is legendary and the second person um his name is nelson gonzalez and he's he's quote unquote the mayor of albuquerque um but he's so funny because he is bilingual and that you know that connection between americans and latin sometimes is tough and he just brings an energy to the field every single day If it's literally, you know, 6 a.m. bus ride that morning, you get to the field, like, he don't care. He's going to bring the energy up. He's going to yell at you if you're not doing something, if you're sleeping in the clubhouse. And he sings every single day. After every single win, he just goes around partying and dancing. And those are the kind of things that you need in a 150-plus game season. Like, you need those guys that are going to bring energy to the clubhouse.
0: I love it. Um, Speaking of your famous teammates, sometimes I know you get a rehabbing big leader down there Oh yeah, they spend time at the minor league level. It's, it's gotta be a little bit weird, but I know they're supposed to provide a spread on the way out. What is the best spread a rehabbing big league player has ever provided for you and your teammates?
1: Okay. Um, yes, that's true. And everyone always looks forward to when the big leaders come into town because of this exact reason. Um, but it's a very nice gesture by them. I'm trying to think, um, this past year, um, I won't, I won't say the name, uh, this past year in, in Sugarland, Texas. Um, a guy got us a Mexican place. Can't even remember the name, but it was unbelievable. Like we had, we had spread for three days and it was some of the best food I've ever had. And without a doubt, that's probably tops that I've ever had. Hell yeah. Um,
0: speaking of Sugarland road trips, other places you've been this, this could be home in a way okay but what's your what's your favorite minor league ballpark you've ever spent time in whether it's your home field or whether you're
1: visiting um let's see I have a couple um Rancho Cucamonga which is now the low way for the Dodgers in California I don't know why there's just something about it Re- again really good fan base and low way baseball it was so much fun to play there as a visitor. Um, good heckling and stuff like that. Uh, Las Vegas is ballpark. This past year is absolutely amazing. Um, and honestly, not trying to be biased, but Hartford, Connecticut, and Albuquerque, New Mexico, are unbelievable. Like Hartford, I think's one field of the year. Like ever since it was made four or five years ago. Um, if you're in the Northeast highly recommend going to that. It is better probably than some big league stadiums. It's unbelievable. So probably, probably those four stand out to me.
0: One of the most depressing weekends I've had in the last couple of years, I went to Hartford for a friend's wedding and I was like, well, we got to go. Oh yeah. And my, my fiance was like, "Uh, all right. And we (laughs) went to the ballpark, no game. And so I just got to look at it kind of, and it's beautiful, but like, I don't know. What does that do for me? Like I'm looking (laughs) at it. I'm staring at it. I'm looking through the fence. Like, it looked great, but it, to amazing. not be able to go to a game there has killed me. So I got to get to Hartford. Um, what about, you know, somebody like somebody like young me, what's the weirdest way a fan has ever asked you for autographs? And I promise you I would have topped it, but what's the
1: weirdest you've ever gotten? Oh, man. Um, the weirdest way. I, I honestly have never been the quote-unquote sought-after prospect with – autographs but i've experienced several teammates to the point where the fans and it's usually older collectible men that do Mm -hmm. this for a living you see them literally every single day and you're like i know why you're here i saw you Mm -hmm. yesterday (laughs) at one o'clock um but some of them just don't have the feel sometimes and ask people for autographs after we lose 15 to nothing. And that guy went over five with five strikeouts and some question, questionable words come out of the player's mouth. And I just can't help myself, but laugh every single time because these people, like, you gotta, you gotta understand this is our job too. So like, when they ask us like, Hey, bud, like, can I get an autograph? It's like, no, we just lost 15 to nothing. I struck out five times. I don't want to talk to you right now. It gets me every baseball, time.
0: yeah. College baseball, 1999. I asked Mark Teixeira for an autograph, and he said, "Let me go to the bathroom." Went to the bathroom, and I waited for him outside the porta potty, and I got him. But again, I was nine years old. Holy these cow! Are, where was these this? are these are adults? So where was this? Uh, Cape Cod League. Oh, okay. Never okay. Been. okay. Yeah. Okay. It's uh yeah, I mean, the bathrooms are fan accessible, unfortunately. But that like is great, yeah. But again, I was a child, and you're like I know who you're. I know right. exactly it's a, li- who it's you're a talking little. It's a little
1: different when it's an eight year old kid, but also you kind of sometimes know that those older men get the little kids to come over yep. to you. You yep. definitely know it sometimes.
0: Yep. That time I promise I was acting <laughs> for my own interests, but yes, I 100 percent know what you're talking. Yeah. About. Um. What about the first person you ever faced at any level? We're talking youth. Minors, etc., where you were just like, this guy is a big leaguer. Like I know I am facing a future big leaguer right now.
1: Okay, so the first answer is high school. As a Yankee fan, uh, Clint Frazier, mm. um, without a doubt, that guy ruined my high school career. He <laughs> beat us in the semifinals on a walk off double, um, but there was no doubt. It was it was a different level that he was playing. Um, and the second person was. Um, he broke with the Braves two years ago. I think he's like 18 or 19. His name's Christian Pache. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was hurt a lot of last year, but just God's gift to baseball. I mean, <laughs> it, it was, he was maybe 17 when I played him um, and faster than anyone on the field, hit it further than pretty much everybody on the field, best arm on the field. I think he was like his rookie year or something. Like he was like, uh for gold glove. I could be really wrong with that, but like as a rookie with who is in the outfield for a gold glove, like he was already in that consideration. Those are, those are the two names without a doubt.
0: Amazing. And Clint Frazier, love you, miss you, wish you all
1: the best. Oh, I don't know about that. that. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just kidding. It. I have such a sore taste for him. Anything that you say, just because he ruined my high school career. <laughs> yeah.
0: That makes all the sense. Yeah. The I will... I will not press there and we'll let's just wrap this up with one final question. We've talked a lot about different things we want to see change mentality shifts, fan adjustments, better understanding. If you could change one thing about the minor league experience, what would you choose and why?
1: Well, the simple answer is the pay. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's think outside the box besides that, (laughs) because that's no fun. Uh, Everybody (laughs) knows that. Um, I think that you know what this year is the first year that clubs are providing housing that it's managed i think it's mandatory for teams to provide housing during the season and pay for it utilities furnished all of that and that's going to be huge i've thought about that and like the stress of learning your team where you're going three days before spring training ends and then having to find roommates having to find an apartment I mean, it kills you every single year. At least for me, it does. I worry about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that and the pay and um, are probably the two. Obviously, the the housing's changed and the pay, hopefully one day it will. Um, but those are my two answers.
0: Perfectly said. Brandon Gold, thanks so much for joining me, man. Best of luck this year and good luck reporting next week. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. This was great. Brandon Gold of the Colorado Rockies, everybody. Man, I'm going to say this sentence the first time it's ever been said. I got to go check out Hartford. No final flame this week. Let's get baseball back. Don't leave that room, dudes, on both sides. You stay in that room. Keep, keep talking to each other. Let's treat our prospects right, too, while we're at it. How about that? See you next Thursday.